the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. During the Epiphany season, the lessons follow a kind of uh, unified pattern in that the Gospels give us some manifestation of Christ, some way that Christ is revealed as the Son of God. And the epistles are a sequential reading from Romans, which can be read as the response to the revelation. Jesus is revealed to us, and we're called to respond in a certain way. Today, there is a strange revelation of the boy Jesus in the temple revealed as God's son in a sort of difficult way to his parents, combined with an exhortation in our epistle to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Our epiphany stories are, they begin with the coming of the wise men, Christ is revealed to them by the leading of a star. Next week we will have Jesus revealed in his baptism. The spirit descends, and the father's voice declares to be his son. We will, because epiphany is very short this year, miss the changing of water into wine at Cana, which would be the following week. Those are all types of revelation that have a, a sort of glory to them, a, a star, a, a descent of the spirit, a miracle. The revelation that occurs in the gospel today is a little bit different, a little less glorious. It involves, in fact, a significant measure of anger and frustration on the part of Jesus' mother and uh, foster father. When they came back to the temple, the response that Jesus gave, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? We recall just before Mary had said, your father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And so the, it's a bit of a rejoinder, my, who my father really is and whose son I really am. There's a lot of things about the story like, as in a number of passages of scripture, we'd like to have a little bit more information. You'd like to have seen the whole setting in Jerusalem before the, the party from Nazareth left. Was there some tension between Joseph, Mary, and Jesus? Uh, some demand made on him that he, that he responded to in a certain way. Uh, we don't have that information. We should know that people traveled to these feasts from towns in a, in a group. So the whole town of Nazareth came. You had probably several hundred people, and this was not unusual in Jesus' 12 years of existence that they would expect, oh, he's with his cousins, he's with someone else. We also know that in later times, 12 years old was the age for the bar mitzvah. You can't assume it was the same thing in the first century, but there's something significant or became significant about that age as an age when a young man becomes accountable to uh, uh, follow the law on his own uh, account. What we do know, though, is that uh, the, the Holy Family is required to make a day's journey. If Nazareth, it, it, it's usually about three days from Nazareth to Jerusalem, um, Nazareth is about 70, 80 miles, so each day would comprise a travel of about 15 to 20 miles. So a day's journey would have been, say, 15 miles away from Jerusalem, recognize he's not there, and 15 miles back. So when Mary and Joseph find Jesus in the temple and express a little bit of irritation, it's after quite a bit of additional effort is expended. 
Um, and yet this is an epiphany story. Jesus was not with them because he had to be about his father's business. And this reminds us, I think, the presence of this gospel in the midst of all these more glorious epiphany stories reminds us that not all epiphanies are glorious. God reveals himself to us in situations and circumstances in which God doesn't do what we expect and in which we experience much frustration and sometimes even anger. In fact, the more we grow in the faith, the more God will reveal himself to us, Christ reveal himself to us in the midst of these ordinary course of, courses of life, circumstances in which we're thinking, praying about things, and we discover new things just as, as things naturally play out. The more spectacular epiphanies, uh, revelation to the wise men, uh, angels appearing, those usually occur at the beginning of someone's coming to faith. People are converted usually by a miracle, but Christ reveals himself to us over time more through the ordinary course of life. When this happens, when, when God seems to act in a way or our lives unfold in a way that we don't expect or desire, uh, we need to begin to ask. The gospel presents a certain pattern to us. Mary angrily asks, why did you do this to us? Jesus responded, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And then, importantly, we are told at the end of the gospel that Mary pondered all these things in our hearts. That is, she realized there was some kind of a, oh, experience. That's right. He's not just my son. He's the son of God. And a realization that maybe her own perception is what needed to adjust here rather than simply Jesus being a disobedient boy. We often ask, why is God doing this or why did this happen? But we do not always persevere in prayer until we get the answer to that question. We do not always ponder in our hearts what God is doing, what he has said, what it all means. We often expect God, even if we don't say so openly, we often expect God to act in certain ways and do certain things. And if we are honest, we will admit that we are from time to time disappointed when he does not. You know, we pray diligently about something. We don't do anything obviously wrong in our lives. Maybe things are going well. So then why did this happen? And even if we'll put on the face that says, well, you know, Jesus is Lord and, and all that kind of stuff, we still may ask within ourselves why. Sometimes what we call faith is often our attempt, maybe too strong a word, but to control that is, we will pray about something, and we will pray really hard about something, and we'll pray harder and harder with the idea that our strenuous effort at prayer should result in getting God to do the thing we like done. And when it doesn't, sometimes we have some, 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 some struggles. But true faith always tries to discern what God is saying through the prayers that aren't answered through the pain and the frustration 
as well as through the prayers that are answered as we would like them to be answered. <coughs> Our disappointments often come from faulty expectations. Oftentimes we develop a framework of what God should do or how God should act. We come to expect that this will happen in kind of a, a nice system we've created for ourselves. Painful epiphanies change our expectations. They cause us to uh, be led to think in a new way, as, as Romans says in our epistle today. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. A great deal of growth in faith is learning to think about things a new way. We should realize that the word repentance its root meaning in the New Testament is to have a change of mind, to look at things in a new way and to think about things a new way. And our growth, our repentance, is that we continually grow in this new perspective and new insight. And this is what happens when things are revealed to us that we don't want or expect. Painful epiphanies teach us to see and think in new ways. And above all, they call us to trust. They call us to trust that Jesus is Lord and that he is able to order our lives in a way that is really best for us. Sometimes we will think that, but we will pray real hard because we, we know he knows what's best for us, but here's what we really, 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 really want. And so we'll pray hard for that instead. And this is why the proper response matching up our gospel to the epistle, our proper response to painful epiphany is worship. Even when we don't understand, even when we are angry and frustrated, we are called to worship and trust, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. And the fact is that we don't always understand, but our failure to understand is that we don't understand yet, we don't see yet. And the response to that is worship, to enter back into the presence of God, to, to get our head up into the heavens where maybe we can see things in a slightly new way and gain a greater understanding. So today's lessons teach us that Jesus may reveal himself to us in ways that we don't quite understand. And our response to that is that we need to learn to ponder things in our hearts until God reveals to us his will and purpose more clearly in his good time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.